Hello and welcome everyone to the Cup of Coffee podcast with me, your host, Tom Dillon. This is being recorded live. It's our weekly online meeting and broadcast around the world. I was in Wales yesterday, so it wasn't just Chris in Wales. I was in Wales um, back now, of course, but I forgot to mention this to Chris earlier. Uh, let's, we've only just started. Let's try not to get waylaid. Uh, so today's topic is um, how to get out of the rat race. And talking to us about that is someone who's... Um, uh, achieved it, although he admitted uh, moments ago that he's also spent five hours this week uh, writing emails to Scottish Power. So I'd say that the key here isn't so much getting out of the rat race, but then also being aware, and it's a nice thing to have to think about, is what to choose to do with your time once you escape from the rat race. And I'd argue that writing long emails to Scottish Power isn't what I choose to do. I can't speak for anyone else. But anyway, um, we've sort of just run down our speakers before they've even had a chance to, to do something and say something. Uh, I'll introduce... Um, oh, uh, before we introduce, though, we'll do a, a quick disclaimer that today is a wonderful discussion, but the nothing said here constitutes financial advice. You should always take professional advice before investing your hard in cash. There may be the un- odd unplanned swear word along the way. Um, so uh, Bartek's going to speak for a while, and then we're going to have some questions from me and from, from you guys. So uh, if anything pops up that you'd like to ask Bartek about what he's saying, then... Um, uh, not in the chat or give me an odd or something. Uh, Bartek, over to you. Hello, sir. Thank you very much, Tom. I'll share my screen. Thank you for um, um, telling me I'm not using my time wisely, but actually I know that. It's uh, sometimes getting into disputes and um, writing long emails is a complete waste of time. Um, but the issue is about um, a lot of money, so actually if it goes through fine, I think that would have been time well spent. All right, I'm going to share my screen now. Um, so hopefully everyone can see that. Um, can someone tell me if you can see my screen okay? Yeah, we've got it. Perfect. Right. So, um, how to get out of the rat race. This is something that a lot of investors um, are striving to do. So I'll um, talk you through, I'll tell you a little bit about myself and how um, how I managed to do that and um, what it is that I'm doing right now. And um, so this is what I'm going to cover. I'm going to tell you a little bit about me. I'm going to tell you about systemizing the business, my own experiences and what we did. And when I say we, it's me and my wife, Victoria, um, who run our business. Um, getting out of the rat race, so what I, um, how I see it and what I understand under the rat race and, and what getting out of the rat race even, even means. Um, I'm going to talk about the concept of money tides and then you'll have a couple of tips from Scrooge McDuck. So about me. Um, my name is Bartek. Some people um, in the group um, know me already. I come from Poland and um, interesting facts about Poland. There's about 36 million, uh, 6 million people living in, in the country and this, uh, Poland is a very much a nation of immigrants because there is about as many living outside of uh, Poland throughout the turbulent past. I think there are many wars and um, being between Germany and Russia is not exactly um, very helpful. So there are plenty of wars and Poland was off the map for 150 years, so 125 years, sorry. So plenty of reasons for people to move to different countries. Uh, my background is in engineering and I guess in the spirit of uh, 
my fellow countrymen, I decided to go abroad as well. I did a degree in in Ireland and also, uh, well, I've got a Polish engineering degree and also a master's degree from London. Um, and this beautiful bridge uh, is fourth bridge in Edinburgh. And when I look at my um, younger self and my early 20s, actually amazes me what young people can, um, how, what can influence their decisions. Um, because the, the reason I'm showing you the photo of the bridge is this bridge was the reason I moved to Edinburgh after finishing my degree. Um, which, now looking at it, um, I think was a bit silly. But I really love this. Edinburgh is, is a lovely place. Um, so after um, living in Edinburgh, I, I moved to London to do the master's degree. And after um, acquiring the master's degree, me and my wife, um, we decided to um, stay in London. So I, how did I end up in Manchester? Well, we started applying for um, different graduate schemes and my wife applied for many jobs throughout uh, the entire UK and she got a job offer in Manchester. Uh, it was too good to, um, to turn it down. So we decided to move to Manchester. Um, I don't know, Tom, somebody's trying to get in. So if you can facilitate that that'd be good um, um i worked as a structural engineer for those of you who don't know structural engineering is all about the designing buildings and um taking, making sure that the structure of the of the, of the building is, is sound so the architect would um mainly um worry about how the building looks and how it functions and the structure of the building is obviously the job of the structural engineer so I started in property, and uh, so not well. I was working on all, as a, as an engineer, so obviously I've seen many uh, many developers, uh, many companies uh, developing big and small projects. And uh, this was about the time I came across this book, Rich Dad Poor Dad, which I'm sure uh, many of you um, have read. If you haven't read, uh, if you haven't read it, then I would strongly recommend that you do. It's uh, it's a very good book and. The concept that Robert Kiyosaki lays down in the book um, I, it's very powerful how you should um, make use your money to to actually work and generate more wealth um, the concept of uh, asset against liability um, very very useful book so definitely recommend that you read it so I read that book and I at the time had a very very naive um, outlook on what investing should look like. I, I think I, I um, understood the concept of asset and liability and wanted to acquire some properties to, to generate uh, some income, but I didn't, didn't even know that you can get a mortgage on, on a property. So at the time I was just putting some savings together and the plan was to buy a property in an auction. Um, it all um, changed for me because that, that plan uh, never works out. I, I found a, um, a mortgage broker, had a chat with them, and I think um, through the PIN network, I found Mastermind. Um, this is a property course uh, run by Simon Zucci. You might have heard of it. And so I did the Mastermind program. And that, that, that program that year, that was in 2015 or around that time, that was really um, eye-opening. I've learned about lots of different strategies and, and how, um, 
how you can invest really eff effectively. And that's how the, the portfolio that we uh, own today really started. Although I did have one HMO just before the mastermind. Um, but to be perfectly honest, all that was um, really getting lucky because when I think about that, we we first our first property um, in 2013 in the UK at least in 2013, um, and um, I will be showing you some charts later on. And that was the absolute absolutely prime time to be buying uh, to be buying property in the UK. So I think we just got it easy, but that was pure luck. Um, right. So now moving on to systemizing the business. <clears throat> Something I um, noticed during the, my mastermind years was that all the successful people um, really, they focus on doing the deals. So they focus on um, being the architect uh, behind the structure of the, of, the, of the property transaction or the deal. Um, and by the deal, I mean how to purchase the property, where the profit is going to be, how you can add value. Um, how are you going to make money, what the exits are going to be, all that. They do all this and they focus all their energy or most of their energy on actually making sure that this, all that um, is executed correctly. What they don't do is uh, the lettings, is they don't do the nitty gritty, they don't do, um, they don't spend time um, fixing toilets uh, or proverbial toilets and doing all the, all the legwork that you can get a lettings manager to do or a handyman to do. Um, so I've, I've seen that um, in action, as it were, during the mastermind um, year. And also after that, you can very easily have access to the personal profiles of people who do well, because after each mastermind, um, people present and they, they share their success stories. And um, so I knew at the time that this is what I should be doing, but for various reasons, I actually spent a lot of the time um, managing the portfolio or managing my tenants. Uh, and I fully appreciate that it also is a function of scale. So um, at the beginning, it's, you might be, you, you don't have the economy of scale if you only have one HMO. And obviously getting somebody else to manage the, um, your your tenants for you or your properties for you is costing money and at the beginning usually the budget uh, will be very tight I and mean, depending on what situation you're in I was certainly starting in a lot of debt um, I had a, a, a personal loan and that I used for uh, investing at the beginning so I appreciate that it's not always that easy and I guess I kind of fallen into that trap actually um, spending a lot of my time um, doing um, not very, um, not very productive. Well, not not productive, but uh, doing tasks that don't generate a lot of income. And you might um, you might have heard of um, Dr. Steve Day, who's um, also part of the Cup of Coffee um, WhatsApp group, and I believe he presented last um, last week or a couple of weeks um, ago. So I'm not going to repeat everything that he said. But in terms of systemizing, um, I would um, recommend looking at something um, something like that. So Steve Day runs uh, a course um, that is all about teaching people how to systemize, systemize their business, how to put um, things in place Oops. Um, to make sure 
that the um, the business is outsourced. So you spend um, as little time as possible doing repetitive tasks that can be outsourced to somebody else. And so the core elements. I'm just going to go through core, core elements of the of the what, what he uh, what I've learned from Steve because I did I did that course in 2019. So we spent most of 2019 um, putting a lot of work and and systemizing the business. So writing operation manuals and and making sure that the, all the work that we normally do in the business is documented so that we can then hand it over to um, to an employee or to someone who will be doing that for us. So the main, the core elements of, of what Steve Day teaches is the Didex system, which um, Didex stands for um, the um, oh, intention. So the there is the I forgot about first the um, intention, uh, deliverables, um, action, um, sorry, access, and um, control, and time. Uh, so this is all about um, didact is, is generally a blueprint or the six points that you want to cover whenever you delegate uh, work to somebody else. And if you every task has got, has got a didact, so if, if delegating every task, you focus on um, each of these six points and you make sure that you pass on information about every every each one of them um, to your uh, to whoever is going to do the task. Then you've you've got a much bigger chance of actually getting them to do deliver the the job the way you'd like it done. And as uh, many entrepreneurs uh, suffer from fear of um, letting go and handing over to someone, and I certainly um, I certainly had that as well. Um, but believe you me, um, when I say you will find plenty of people who are perfectly capable of doing a much better job than than you're doing. Because if you if you have been doing something for a while, I think it's the temptation is always there, or it's easy to start doing things without checking, you know, consulting the checklist, or without um, doing exactly to the book, and that's when the quality will slip. And if you have an operation manual that is very detailed, then um, you will avoid you you will avoid that problem. And if you have an operation manual, you pass them to your employee. And they just follow it, and if they do, then chances are they're going to achieve a at least as good result as um, you uh, compared to you you doing that that task yourself. So didact is one part, operation manual uh, is another part, and um, of of this Steve Day systemizing process. So like I said, it's a operation manual, essentially a document that contains all the information and a video, um, step by step video on how to do it. Most of the tasks uh, we're talking about outsourcing to the Philippines, for instance, or outsourcing abroad. So the task uh, can be performed on the computer and you just record yourself doing a task and then just give it um, that video to your VA and they can follow literally what you've been doing and just do the same, do the same thing. Create operation manual based on that video. So just take screenshots and then um, if anybody else comes into the business, all you have to do is just tell them this is the manual, now go and do it. And there might be some initial information that you need to feed uh, variables, let's say, feed, feed in together with the operation manual so that they, this person can um, then crack on and complete that task. So I've covered didact, and there's operation manuals, and then um, you've got flowcharts as well. So here's an example of a flowchart that we have um, for our, um, for our um, processes. And this one is to do uh, with checking uh, rents. 
So you've got swim lanes. I'm, I'm actually very, very fortunate that my wife is a management consultant. So she's really good at this. She does that kind of stuff on a much more complicated level for big corporations and councils around the country when they want to improve the systems. If you have been, uh, by the way, a little, I will digress slightly. If you've ever been frustrated um, calling the council on the phone, going through some options and then not getting through or, or the machine telling you to go consult the website is exactly because of flowcharts like this and that's um, management consultants put in place. The idea is that you want to um, release um, maximum amount of, of uh, man hours from the council to actually um, get people to um, do whatever they need to do without ringing the council but um, just by going to the website, sending some forms, etc. Um, so this is the some an example that we're using. So we've got swim lanes. So there's a VA does all these tasks, and you just progress from one to the other. You might have some decisions along the way, but it makes the process very clear. So whoever's working on that, you put the lettings manager in the other swim lane, and the the relationship between the two and at which task, at which point some, somebody else like the, the lettings manager needs to get involved is very clearly laid out here. So it makes it uh, really simple um, to, for the entire team to understand what's happening and what should be happening. So like I said, we've spent um, pretty much most of uh, 2019 doing that, systemizing the business, putting operation manuals in place. We've hired our first uh, ever employee um, uh, we've, we've had a little hiccup, so I'm, I'm sure um, you know the, the, the process is never absolutely seamless. Uh, we had one VA that didn't work out with, with them, or we had another VA, and to be honest, the VA that we got in February 2019, she's with us, and um, she's absolutely brilliant. I, I, I'm absolutely certain I wouldn't be able to do as good job as, she, as she's doing, and uh, she's super diligent, and I'm really, really happy. So... 2019 was, uh, like I said, spent um, systemizing and, and putting together all the operation manuals and making sure that we know the, that we put, you need to put some upfront work to make sure that all the flowcharts and everything um, work together nicely. But once it's done, once you've done that, there, um, well, there might be slight period of time where you test it and, and see if there are any improvements that are needed. But once it's in, up and running, it really releases a lot of your time. So um, I've been tracking my weekly hours uh, that I spent actually working and doing uh, tasks relating to managing the business. And that came down from over 20, 20 something to um, less than four a week. I do have an odd week uh, right now where I get involved um, while I choose to and, and I might spend more hours, but it really dropped significantly um, since the beginning of 2019. So it, the system really works. If I don't have any, I'm not on a commission uh, from Steve, um, but I can certainly recommend that if you were um, struggling, spending a lot of time managing your portfolio and you were wondering if there's a way out, there is. Just get someone else to, to do that for you. And there are plenty of ways to do it but getting a system and a team in place is, is certainly one of them. But you need to be aware that you will have to put some hours in up front. So getting out of the rat race. Um, this was really a game changer. So 2019, I really, um, it was busy. But in the last few months, um, I realized that actually 
this is this is it. This is how you get out of the rat race. And I realized that I actually, I think I've, I've, um, I left, I left the race. Um, here's the cash flow game board. I don't know if you've uh, played it or not. So I'll tell you what it is. This is the Robert Kiyosaki game. The same bloke who wrote the book, Rich Dad Poor Dad. So um, this this circle in the middle is where all the is the rat race essentially. So just people running around like headless chickens um, around that and just trying to make ends meet. And leaving the rat race is when you get onto that outer, um, it's not a circle, uh, the outer track. And this is where really things really accelerate for you so th th this is really good to, to try it i mean it's just a game obviously plenty of things are um simplified when you play that game but it's actually surprising how um how much you can learn about yourself and how much you can you can um you can learn about investing and managing money if you just play a simple game like this so i would certainly again recommend if you've not played it try it try it um so the like i said the the beginning of the game you everybody starts in here and they just run around and this is where you have to um you don't have enough passive income to cover your expenses and you only get out of the rat race so you get onto that track that outer track once you're your passive income exceeds your expenses. So this is essentially when um, the money, there's enough money coming in for you to stop worrying about uh, where to get the money from to, to just sponsor your lifestyle and cover cover your expenses. And this, in, is, it works the exact same way in real life. I mean, you can either, you can either keep increasing your passive income, but the other way of, of actually getting onto the out of track quicker as well is just to reduce your spending. So if you can initially, when I say about hard beginnings, um, if you can, this is something that you're very much in control of, unless you um, you recklessly spend on stuff that then you have to uh, fund later on, like a very expensive car that is in, expensive in maintenance, um, you will find it easier if you can if you cannot do it. And if you can keep your expenses low to start with, then you can certainly get yourself on the on the outer ring much quicker. And the beauty of it is that then you have the time to actually look at the bigger picture. And that is the, the absolutely most powerful thing about it all. Um, the little caveat here is that if you're if you've got enough income to cover your expenses, you need to make sure that it's, it's, a, it's passive income. So in terms of property, if you've got a portfolio of, of, of residential property um, and you're running around all day, making sure that the tenants are happy and that you check them in and out and that the toilet is fixed um, and all that, then obviously this is not passive income. Your life is a misery because you're spending loads of time and everybody's complaining. I guess the, um, the unpleasant, truth about uh, being in property that people don't usually tell you during property courses is that the interaction with your tenants is usually when you check them in when they want to move out or throughout the tenancy is usually when they complain you you hardly ever i can't remember ever getting a text message to say Bartek, everything is great i'm just texting you because i, I wanted to tell you that everything is great you never get that message obviously you only get communication from tenants when they want to tell you that they're unhappy that something is broken, something's not working, and you need to do something about it. So the message here is getting out of the rat race. You want to work on your business rather than in your business. You want to 
systemize or give the lettings to someone else. But if you actually want to make put the architecture in place, make sure that it works exactly the way you want it, then systemizing it yourself and getting all the manuals um, done is the way to do it. And then you work on your business, so you just supervise people working for you and doing that work. Uh, we currently have a lettings manager who does the work in, on the ground, as it were, so he would go do some repairs, check people in and out, um, and uh, we have a VA that works offshore, and it works um, really, really well. Now, I, my majority of my tenants are, are, are Polish people or um, Eastern European uh, nationals, so there is some language uh, barriers and some funny situations when the e emails come in and, and the Charmaine, who's the, our offshore VA, uh, responds to that because the, you know, she, she struggles, she doesn't speak Polish. Um, but uh, it's, it's, certainly, um, it's certainly much better for me to only intervene if that's, that happens rather than deal with everything um, on a day-to-day -day basis. So now moving on to monetize. Uh, once you get to that point, uh, you get to that point where you don't have to worry about the day-to-day -day and somebody else, it frees a lot of your mental space to then be able to look at a bigger picture or what, what potential opportunities there are. You can source property. So um, the concept of monetize is actually comes from this book, uh, a book um, entitled Ouch by Paul Not. And this is um, if this guy's a um, financial advisor, I, I believe, and it's a really uh, good overview of what's available. Uh, until last year, I thought property is the only really uh, the only viable thing to to, to acquire wealth, and um, there's no point really looking at anything else. But by after reading this book, which was actually quite recently. Um, I think it made me thinking and it opened my mind to all, all the possibilities. And other possibilities other than property, you've got uh, stocks and shares. Um, and, uh, and you've got precious metals um, as well. And the very interesting concept is to look at how property prices change in terms of gold. Um, so this graph shows you um, price of average average house price in um, expressed in ounces of gold one troy ounce of gold is 31.1 gram and the interesting thing is that when you look at uh, when you look at any graphs um, showing price of anything um you will be familiar with the line always going up because money the inf inflation um happens with um with with any fiat currency and the graph is always going up and up and up Whereas if you look at this chart, you will see that this is more like up and down, up and down, and that cycle continues. The reason being is that there is only uh, a finite amount of gold, amount of gold, and house prices actually go up and they come down. The reason you don't, uh, in, in, in terms of um, how much they cost in gold, the reason you don't see it in, in, in dollar or pounds um, it's because the pound and dollar is, is getting worth less and less. So the, the idea that this book describes is exactly this. So you look at the money tides and you generally want to uh, align yourself or you want to be, um, when the tide changes, you, you want to, to, to go in the direction of the tide rather than against it. There's no point uh, expanding effort actually swimming against the tide, just let it take you. Um, so as you can see here in the 1980s, the house uh, price per ounce of gold was, was really low. 
Um, and that means that houses are cheap, so you should be buying houses. And then as we, as we go along, you get to a point where, where we reach in 2002, 829 ounces to buy a house. So at that point, you want to start acquiring gold um, at, this, um, at this point, and then later spend it and swap it for, for houses, essentially. Now, there is a little caveat because gold is not an investment, uh, and I fully appreciate that. So some of you might say gold is not an investment, but I'm not making any money. That is true. It's more of a hedge. Um, but when you look at when you look at this uh, the, the the tides, I think it's a really good idea to um, to spend some time, see what the situation is, where the money is going, and just follow it, follow the tide, because it will take you, and it's much easier to to make any money. A very good analogy from my um, younger years in Poland in 1990s uh, there was there was a re it was a real boom after 1980 um, 1989 when iron curtain fell and uh, Poland was no longer under influence of um, Soviet Russia it, it, it freed a lot of um, entrepreneurial energy in the nation so pretty much anyone who had um, a reasonable business plan you didn't have to be Brilliant! You didn't have to compete. The compete because there is no market. So anyone uh, who were early to the market made good money, and a lot of fortunes been made in the 90s. People setting up businesses, shops, anything that actually was a viable plan, as long as they had, like I say, a reasonable plan, they did well. And if they if they had any experience and they had a very good plan, then they did exceptionally well. So the same same with that concept. Um. Right, now, Doyle Bronson and Super System. This is another book I'm showing you. This is by no means something I would recommend you read because this is a book about playing poker. But I thought it was a very good analogy um, in poker. Doyle Bronson is a, uh, is a guy who's a very good poker player, but he, um, he plays in the 60s and 70s, I think he started. And so he was um, quite early and he developed that system. And so what he says in the book is that he likes to play small connecting cards. I don't know if you've ever played Texas Hold'em. So I'll tell you that obviously aces, kings, they're considered best cards to start with. Um, but you've got, every player's got two cards in their hand and there's five communal cards, so five cards that are in the middle of the table. And then you see who, who's got the best hand when you put together your two cards and then any three from the communal cards. Um, so the, the, what he's saying is he likes to go in with small connecting cards because these cards give you, um, it's a long shot because you're going to be a, an underdog against two aces, for instance, unless you catch, even if you catch a pair, if you go, let's say you've got seven and a five, even if you catch a seven, you've got a pair of sevens. And if somebody else got a pair of aces, then obviously you, you, they've got you beat. But there is a long shot possibility that you will catch a, 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 a straight or a flush. So you've got a, a, a consecutive five, five cards in a row. And that means that you've got a straight and straight beats, a pair, two pair, three of a kind, straights and a flush is even stronger um, combination. So his concept is that he wants to get in, he wants to accumulate enough money or enough chips um, earlier on to be able to then fund, um, fund his strategy of being able to essentially take little stabs and win big. So he's not gonna win every time, but by identifying the opportunities, um, he can then find himself playing against a big hand like ace, aces, kings, and, and hit big. 
um, and the opponent is unlikely to um, is, is is likely to pay him off well because if somebody's sitting with two kings, they're going to be putting a lot of money in. So the reason I mention it is because when you when you have freed a lot of your um, um, mental space and when you have time to be able to analyze what's happening, you'll be able to um, to see opportunities around you. And some of them might be um, like with the with the card example, they might be a long shot. But uh, it, you may have uh, the ability to then just take a stab every now and again and see see what happens. And um, the so the example of of what it could be is like in stocks and shares. If you if you know uh, what you're doing, or cryptocurrencies, which I'm going to um, touch briefly later. But this graph is showing you what happens to um, uh, what happened to um, stock positions in Robinhood. So Robinhood is a, is American platform for people to trade um, stocks and shares. And it, as you can see here, um, just after lockdown, the amount of, of, of positions spiked. This is the positions. It means that's a trade that people placed on the on the exchange. So the amount of accounts that were open uh, uh, with Robinhood right after um, from from March 2020 onwards really went up so the barrier of entry to actually for anyone to do invest in in stocks and shares is really really low and if you have seen the s p 500 or uh, or any pretty much any uh, stock exchange um index um in the last few months it's been going up a lot of money has been going in and this is um not only pe private people who just want to experiment or just uh, were sat at home during lockdown and had their furlough money and they just didn't have much expenses because they didn't go out like they used to, and decided they're going to put in, in shares. But also the Fed, Federal Reserve, uh, the, the, um, the, the um, National Bank in America is, is printing a lot of money. The printing is, is uh, not exactly very correct because the, 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 the dollars are actually appearing on the screens rather than being printed um, that much. But um, they, they're expanding the amount of money they've got, and obviously that goes in stocks and shares. So this is the, the kind of, uh, albeit very short term, but if you follow that, I mean, currently, you don't really need to do, be a, you know, a rocket scientist. And if any, everything goes up, uh, then you just ride that tide. Um, and this is a very interesting um, example of what's happened to Hertz. Uh, Hertz is the rental company a car rental company and they um for, in america they fight for, for administration so um around around here in um it was late may 2020 the share prices they, they were already dropping but they they dropped the rock bottom and uh, because there are so many um inexperienced people just speculating the what happened here over the period of five days between the 3rd of june and the 8th of june the price spiked people just started buying um, company that essentially is going bust although there is a, a potential way it could turn around for them but um, anyway this is just to show you that um, sometimes you're going to spend um, a year two years in property really busting your uh, backside to get somewhere where uh, you can really just look out for the opportunities and uh, and, and make much better money Elsewhere, and um, I, this is something that a conversation I had with Tom uh, the other day as well. That um, very often, when people are asked how to invest um, money, experienced people in property, 
they would tell you that they'd rather give the money to someone and let them do the work and give them percentage rather than actually spend time and efforts doing the project uh, themselves. So this cannot be uh, underestimated. You need to uh, really look at different options. So that brings us to crypto. In Currently, there is almost no, uh, very little barrier uh, to entry. You just set up an account, essentially, within an hour or two, you can be trading uh, cryptocurrencies. And there is a lot of young people, a lot of, um, a lot of money going into that space as well. Uh, so this is, 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 is literally from last night. I've, this is 11th of July, you can see here. That's a, just an example of cryptocurrency. They're pretty much all going up um, at quite a high rate as well. And double in seven days. So if you bought this, you, you, know, you double your money in seven days. And so being able to actually look at stuff, uh, look at what's happening around you and what opportunities there are is, uh, is, is, is much, is probably more, more important than anything else in my view. Um, um, and now the tips. You want to be that guy, obviously. The um, I, although I need to say, I wouldn't recommend jumping headfirst into a vault full of gold coins. Though, if anything, that would be very uh, painful. Um, if you can uh, have a spouse that can put uh, together brilliant, brilliant um, graphs and flowcharts, that's obviously a bonus. So make sure you do that. Um, but on a serious note. Get someone else to do the lettings for you if you're in the property uh, space. Make sure that you do it as soon as possible and um, and free your, your own time. Always look at what uh, what task you're doing, and if it's not, uh, if if someone can do it for 10, 12, 15 pounds an hour, you should get them to uh, to do that. Because if you put a, a, a good property deal together, you you'll be getting much better return um, on your time per hour. Um, and once you're in the fortunate position to be able to then afford to spend some time actually looking around what other opportunities there uh, are around, you want to learn to recognize uh, money tights. And the last tip, something I, um, I started doing a couple of years ago, whenever um, I hit a situation in, in, in my investing life, when I'm not sure I, uh, I see, when I'm not sure what's going to happen, I see a lot of people, for instance, in property and I'm thinking, been, there's 50 people coming to this viewing. This is ridiculous. I mean, should I really compete with that many people? Maybe I should start thinking about doing something else. Uh, maybe I should look at opportunities elsewhere. I want to. I, I I stop and assess the situation, and then I formulate my view on. I'm actually on paper. I write it down what I think is going to happen in the next 12 months, 18 months, a relatively short term. And then I email that to my brother with a hashtag, didn't I tell you, just to be able to then quickly find it in my inbox and see what I thought um, was going to happen. And to be honest, doing just that, um, it really helped me to actually identify um, what, what direction I want to be taking, broadly speaking, in investing and, and what to do with my, um, with my money. So that's, these are the tips. Thank you very much. I'm going to stop sharing now. I hope you enjoy my presentation. Um, and like Tom said at the beginning, um, if you have anybody wanted to ask me any questions or um, wants to discuss anything, please, please do.
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you very much, Bartek. Um, uh, as, as you're talking about mate, doubling your money in seven days in crypto, it's probably worth repeating the disclaimer that uh, <laughs> none of this constitutes financial advice. But I'm not saying Bartek's um, up to his eyeballs in crypto either because he, he probably isn't. Oh, he might be, I don't know. But um, maybe we'll find out in a minute. But uh, it's also almost certainly true that people can and do and have and will in the future lose their shirts on that stuff um, as well as make millions. So, uh, you know, stocks can go up as well as down, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Andrew, were you making a wig there or was that, was that knitting or what was going on there during the presentation? Uh, you muted. Oh. Was that your dog? Oh, right. I thought you were knitting. Shows, um, that's maybe why they took my animals away. Um, Okay, great. Well, good stuff. Well, thank you very much, Andrea. Uh, that was just bothering me. Uh, the, 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 I'll lob in some questions. If anyone else has got any questions, as usual, bother them in the chat, and we'll jump on those as well. We'll sort of mix and match. The fourth bridge, Bartek. Did you? I've got this. You didn't really mention, but I've got this theory. Did you think you were going to build like the fifth bridge or something? Why? Why, why did that mean? Why did that make you move to Edinburgh? I just, well, like I say, uh, I, I can't remember. Why? I just know. I all I remember is that I moved to Edinburgh because of the bridge. Right. And I think I liked it, and it was at the time was my ambition to be a bridge engineer and you know design fancy bridges. Wow! the longest span bridge at some point. Sorry. Have you designed any bridges? I have, but not not nearly very un uh, <laughs> unfancy ones. If anyone wanted to do like a pilgrimage and cross one of your bridges, is that feasible? Or do they only really exist on paper? Um. Um, I think, I think there might down. be one that actually you could, you could, <laughs> yeah, if I fall down, I would need to go and check, yeah, if they're still around. Yeah, just go and check if it's still up and then maybe post some grid coordinates or something. Um, that would be amazing. That's my first question. Uh, I should say out, out the gate, because I might mention some systems stuff, and I don't want it to be unclear, that I'm also just started on Steve Day's systems course, but a bit like Bartek, I'm not on commission. I don't get any money if people sign up. Um, and that, um, while I'm broadly positive about it, I've only just started. So, But I, I wanted to get that out of the way straight out of the gate. Um, you seem to... One question I thought for those people who... Um, oh, that's a dog, right. Yeah, fair enough. Um, one, uh, one thing, Tom... Sorry, was that I wanted to, to say, yeah, is that um, I remember um, this is to do with uh, our WhatsApp group because literally, um, Tom, are you still recording? Is that is that the intention? Yeah, we're still on record. Yeah. Um, is that all right? Do I need to stop? <laughs> literally, literally a day or two, I saw in the WhatsApp group somebody uh, mentioned about uh, employing someone and uh, struggling to to find someone to work for them. And someone else came back commenting that it's just it's a nightmare, they're never gonna find anyone. And this is exactly what I was thinking, but you really need to um, to give it a go and try because you'd be surprised. I mean, uh, like I say, if you can delegate well, and if you can, th that's probably the biggest point um, when it comes to getting someone to do stuff for you in your business. Uh, if you can actually look first always at yourself, and ask yourself uh, a question, did I delegate it well? You know, if the outcome of, of, of that task wasn't to my liking, did I, did I delegate it well? This is probably the, the, the main thing that you should be focusing on. And in my experience, if you, if you do it well, if you spend time learning how to delegate stuff, and then you're, you're actually quite precise in, in telling this person doing uh, the task what you expect of them, then the result is going to be good. Good stuff. Thank you, Bartek. Um, you, you seem to jump 
we've got some people on here who are very experienced HMO uh, and property people, and we've got some people who are less experienced. I don't think um, anyone will mind me saying. Uh, so you seem to jump from one suddenly to you've got a portfolio, and I was wondering uh, how you went about that process. You know, how, getting one HMO isn't easy, but um, then getting from one to two to six to whatever is 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 challenging. How did you go about that? Was it, was it working with investors? Was it saving? Was it things you learned through the mastermind? How can people, I mean, that's the key part of the process. It's all very well outsourcing something. You need to buy some HMOs or or, or single less first. How did you in about a minute uh, go about that process? Well, some people refer to that as momentum investing. I guess the idea here is that you buy a property um, you set it up as an HMO, so you would typically buy either a, a complete wreck or a single let or a property for uh, a single family to live in, and then convert it into a five or six, or if you can put more, then obviously the more the better, usually, um, because there's only one council tax. It should be if it was from residential, unless you get banded in, in, in on individual bedrooms. But the, the answer is that you get the property, you set it up as an HMO, and then you refinance, and if you've done it well, at least when we did it, um, you'd be able to pull out all uh, all of your money out and then move to the next one, um, or maybe almost all of the money. And so you're highly leveraged. I mean, I, there are obviously downsides um, to that uh, to that strategy as well. But this is how you do it relatively quickly. Ashing, thank you very much. Um, cool, cool. Uh, like you say, it might be a bit more difficult now. Oh, hello, it's dog wars have broken out. That's not knitting. That's Chris's dog. Um, I suppose you can you can single legs can work just as well if you if you put a lot of work into getting uh, something that will be um, that you can get revalued at a higher valuation, um, not too long after you know six to twelve months later. So if you bought at a big discount or if you've added some value, you may as well just achieve the same thing. Cool, cool. Um, Answers to listeners' questions. We need a better jingle. We need a better jingle for the whole podcast, really. But let's ignore that and go on to Yogesh's question, which is, when do you predict... It, we've gone in, he's gone in hard. He's not messed about. Um, very Yogesh. He said, when do you predict the second stock market crash? Or what are the indicators you look for, please? Thanks. Boom. He just... That's quite an advanced one straight out the gate. That's not like, what have you been doing this week? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm not really a stock market expert. So, um, the what's happened in March, uh, as if you were following um, stock markets at all, the mid March was when uh, when it really tanked, and that was about the time when lockdown was uh, announced in the UK. But I think probably you need to look at what's been happening in the US around that time. But I would have thought that they were getting worried about the virus around that time as well. So. Uh, possibly uh, be- before the second wave hits us. But I'm personally of the view that the election in the US is a quite an important element here. And if the if they keep printing money and if they keep the, obviously it's in the interest of the current president to um, convince everyone that, that everything is going great. So I think they might put some effort into just, just printing the money and buying up stuff, uh, stock on, on the stock market is going to just artificially keep the keep pumping as it were so i would say october this year it, it will probably be an important date the Thank you very much. Day. cool cool um we've got just for those listening to the podcast around the world amory ingram uh, is wishing that she had a dog to show off too because they're little, some lovely dogs and for anyone in peru or perhaps south america uh andy suggested we should get a separate doggy cover group which frankly is all very cute but also i consider a threat to my authority and, yeah there's uh, a question 
and it will be quashed. There's a question uh, from sorry, here, uh, Tom. Oh, you're trying to get back on track. That's probably There's very wise. What, what, what we got? We got something about um, crypto yeah. mines. Is that question from Essil asking. You just stop interrupting me, Tom. No. Tessu's asking, has anyone invested in crypto mines? There's actually, there's a very interesting um, channel uh, on YouTube. If you go and put Mike Winnet, as in W-I-N-N-E-T, um, he is a guy from Warrington, so very local to us. He, he built a, 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 a business that he sold for several million pounds um, two years ago or a year ago. And after that, he just he was bored, so he set up a, a YouTube channel. Um, and uh, he's done quite funny videos and actually very useful as well in terms of content. So he did that. So as part of his YouTube channel, he's now <clears throat> essentially testing different investment uh, opportunities. So one of the opportunity was buying crypto mines. So essentially, they're mining rigs. So this is like powerful computers that you uh, that you buy with lots of graphic cards, I think, uh, so that they've got a lot of computational power, and they just mine Bitcoin or uh, whatever they mine, which means that they just do a lot of math, uh, and on the back of it, you just get Bitcoin <laughs> magically. And um, so he did. He tried that. So watch the video, Esther, if you're interested. Um, I think the conclusion was that. The, the, the rig was quite expensive and they used a lot of uh, electricity and they didn't make uh, an awful lot of money. Yeah, I had, um, I had a friend who had two properties that were, you know, like some properties get turned into like uh, cannabis farms. Well, these two were turned into mining centers uh, and they just filled with computers, this and the other. But eventually they, they just uh, wandered off and left them um, because, because the rate of electricity meant they were actually not making enough profit um, after a while. For a while, it was very profitable. I think, especially in this country, with electric prices being what they are, it became less so. Um, cracking on, we've only got six minutes. So I want to crack through as many of these as we can, especially these questions that are coming in. So we've got. Um, um, uh, Yogesh Ashkin, can you expand what you mean by the hashtag didn't I tell uh, didn't I tell you or something that you'll have to tell us what the hashtag is again or on your last slide how you use this to help you so the hashtag is just something I came up with um, so that I can find stuff in my inbox because so in the past I, I emailed my brother for instance having like spending a you know a frustrated weekend or something thinking what the heck is going on um, and I, I just decided I'm going to email him and tell him what I think is going to happen. And then to be able to uh, come back to this email late, a, a year later, rather than plow through my inbox, um, I wanted to be able to find it quickly. So I just put, you know, search for didn't I tell you and I find it very quickly. But the, the, the point here is that by sending that email, you really force yourself to actually uh, make a decision because they uh, well decide what do you think is going to happen because it's easy to say well the stock market can tank after the u.s election or it can go up you know because people will be printing more money in the usa uh, but actually looking at everything and actually deciding so what do i think is going to happen and then putting it down in writing makes you it gives you a bit more clarity and a lot of the stuff that i've been sending to my brother um actually happens later you know once you've when you put it later. Smashing, thank you. Uh, next question comes from Yovi who says, Bartek, how do you and Victoria go about doing your portfolio work in the midst of having jobs, a young family, other life stuff? Any comments or experience to share? I cannot tell this this might be outsourcing a clock. Yeah. We've uh, it is yeah, it's not it's not uh, it's not easy. Um because I've got two toddlers and they can be a lot of work. 
and my, my wife Victoria is also Polish so the our parents uh, they all live um, in Poland so it's not like you can just drop your children at, uh, at your parents house you know for the weekend or the afternoon so that is, uh, is a bit of a uh, juggling act the, but I'm very fortunate that Victoria's parents uh, they live in Poland and they're quite happy to host them so currently as it's the Victoria is in Poland uh, with both girls uh, which may freeze up some of my time. So you've outsourced your children, is what you're saying? Yeah. So the children, that's all you do. <laughs> very wise, very wise. Freeze you up to do long emails to Scottish power. Just um, remember, when you put them in the box, just remember to make some like little holes on the top and the sides. <laughs> so they can, uh, that's important. Yeah, yeah. That's an important tip as well. Excellent, excellent top tip there from the Cup of Coffee Property Podcast. Um, uh, speaking of Steve's course, I've got, I'm, I'm totally biased, got a vested interest because I'm just starting out. Did you have any light? I mean, clearly you talked about how after the course, during the course with the work that you do um, on outsourcing, whether you do it in a course or not, just do it yourself. You do um, or you achieved uh, a massive drop in the amount of hours you needed to put into basic tasks or just in general to manage your portfolio. Were there any particular light bulb moments or moments where you went, ah, oh, this might actually work or this is working or, or was it more of a gradual thing and uh, it was just, oh, if you follow the system, then it will work? I'd say if you follow the system, yeah, you just need to trust the system um, because he, it's not like, um, you know, Steve Day just came up with this all of the, uh, out of the blue. He actually tested in his own, uh, in his own business. So it's, it's worked for him and that's why he knows it's going to work for you if you implement it correctly. But the light bulb moments, one of the um, moments I remember was getting the VA on board once the operation manual, some of them were already uh, ready. And, and actually get them to do the tasks is mm. brilliant because you see the outcome. You just see an email or you just see, um, we work in Asana. Asana is a, um, it's a platform where you can uh, create tasks and then assign it to different people on the team and it makes it very clear and easy to follow what's been happening and who's doing what. So, you, you know, you log into Asana one morning and you realize that overnight all the tasks that you've needed to do has been, have been done for you and you, you just, that's it. You just wake up and it's done. So that's, cool. a, that's, a very, that's a lovely feeling. Well, thank you very much. That seems like an excellent place to wrap up. Sorry if I missed any questions, but I'm keen to finish us on time. I am based on an excellent point that Stephen made in the... Uh, in the comments um, that, that Bartek was using flowcharts and the odd graph. And so what I'll, I'll probably do is have a chat with Bartek off, off the off stream and, um, and try and get those slides in with the podcast so at least people can follow those if they choose to. So it's not, not confusing what he was talking about for those listening to a podcast. Um, so uh, thanks for that comment and all the questions. Uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, special thanks to Bartek, obviously Bartek Verdi for speaking today. Um, and join us next week on the podcast where we're going to have I forgot his name um, which isn't great is it uh, have I written it down uh, yes I have Matthew Brian Harris from Hargreaves Lansdowne will be speaking to us about stocks I think I think Hargreaves Lansdowne for those who don't know is the largest um, uh, portal for buying that's not the right word is it marketplace for stocks and shares trading in the UK so quite a coup to get um, someone from them to come and speak to us uh, about uh, stocks and shares uh, 